this morning to uh, to kick us off on our new series, the book of James. And we've never really taught through a book. We've taught from the book, but top uh, uh, teaching through a letter. And this one has a specific and a very special meaning to me because it's it's the brother of Jesus, the half brother of Jesus. Now I want to ask you, is there anybody in here that is the oldest child in your family? You're the oldest. How many oldest children we got? Ooh, look at y'all. Uh-huh. How many we've got? Uh, everybody else is younger or you're an only child and we pray for the only children. We know what that's like. We don't. But we all desired to be, but we didn't. But, but James, the, the half brother of Jesus had to deal with quite a bit. I mean, how do you, how do you come to the place where, hey, my brother Jesus, um, yeah, he's the savior of the world. He created everything, like everything. You know, when you brag about your big brother, it's like, how do you do that? But James wasn't like that. That's why I relate so well to him. James didn't even come to faith in his older brother till after the resurrection. In John chapter 7, we're not going to turn there this morning, but it actually shows James. Jesus is doing miracles and James like, yep, he just walks on by. That's Jesus. That's Jesus, I ain't. He was not all the way locked in. And so he had to struggle with the fact that his brother was indeed that. And if you're here and you've ever struggled with the fact that is God really who he says he is? Is Jesus really who he says he is? This is a great day for you to be here because James had to wrestle with that and it's his big brother. And so we're going to draw some strength from him this morning. And uh, as we do this, look at this, the book of James. I believe there's three things I want to look at that James highlights in the first chapter. And by the way, through this series, we're going to hear from our executive pastor, Mark Anthony, also from Elder Eads, and maybe somebody else we're going to slip in there on you. But I want to glean all we can from this. And in chapter one, there's three areas I want to look at. The first one being there are trials, there's temptation, and then there is transition. So the first one, like in verses 1 through 12, if you look there, it deals with trials. And we're going to look at that. And and then 13 through 18, it deals with this thing called temptation. And then we go into this next part where James transitions into, hey, it's not just about trials, it's about temptation. It's about things he wants us to do while we're here on this planet. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and dive in on the first one being trials. Because James... Of all the letters, of all the things that were, all the letters written, he dives straight. He goes for the deep end. You know, you know, sometimes when you get in a pool, let's be honest, some of y'all, you don't want to just dive in. It might be too cold. So you, you wander up to the pool and you kind of stick your toe in there like, hmm, I ain't want to get crazy here. And then you go in there and you go, okay, that ain't so bad. And you'll ease on into the next step. And then some of y'all, you're like, hey, I, I'm one of those. I'm like, let's go. We just diving in. James does this to the believers and it says to the 12 tribes of Israel, he's just going to dive straight in the deep end. And he started out verse one, talking about being a slave and uh, of Jesus and saying, Hey, he, he chose to connect himself to the Lord and surrender his life to him. And then he talks to the 12 tribes uh, that are scattered abroad. They're, they've been having some rough times and he opens up in verse two and three, looking here, it says, consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face 
trials of many kind. Oh, man. Oh, I need to stop there for just a second because there's a few things you, you, you need to think about. Joy and trials are not usually synonymous one with each other. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever been in a situation and you're not thinking real happy thoughts? Your thought is like, thank you, Jesus, this is so great. I love it. Wow. This person has turned their, they just kicked me right in the teeth. Praise God. They just turned their back on me. They just trashed me. They just, thank you, Lord, it's so good. I just got this horrible diagnosis. Thank you, Jesus, I got this great diagnosis, this horrible thing that's happened to me. We don't usually consider those two together. And it's amazing that James not only says it, but he says, whenever, as in, It's going to happen, not if it happens, but when it happens. In other words, it's going to happen. We're going to have situations on this earth that we're going to battle, that's going to come at us that are not of our own doing. Some of them are, some of them are not. Some of them things happen to us. And he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So like every one of us in our own left to our own device and in our own struggle, whenever we have something that seems uh, kind of a tension that's either inside, and by the way, trials come personal, but then trials come to a family, trials come to a nation. I don't have to tell you right now, our nation is in quite a few trials. We've got woo, all kind of trials going on right now. We got a a a, 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 a social trial of right now because of this this, this virus, this medical trial that's going on right now. And, and we don't shy away from it. We're not trying to deny it exists. I know it is. There are people right now. I know of people that have passed away as a result of it. So I can't say, well, no, it's not real. Yes, it is real. That it is hurting people. It is attacking people. There are some it doesn't affect at all. But it is a trial we're walking through. And how we respond to it is a trial. Have you been online? Hey man, these little things we call masks. People, it is vicious what people talk about a mask. Whether you wear one or don't wear one, I celebrate. We got people in our service right now with a mask. I celebrate y'all. People that don't, I celebrate you. It's a thing of where you have to go at your comfort level. You have to do this. And so there's a trial going on. We have a racial trial going on right now in our country. This is a major one that's going on that is... Has, has swept through our, our nation and it's hit a lot of us like, what? What's going on? And it's real and it needs to be. I think it's a, a power. I'm glad God had, I consider it joy that I get to be alive at this time to walk this out. I'm so thankful for that. I know some of you are like, I, I'm not so thankful, Mark. I, I don't. If you're not thankful, you need to stay off Facebook. That's all I got to tell you. If you're on there, you ain't going to be thankful because you're going to hear everything that comes at you. But if you stay off of there, you can sit there and go, thank you, Lord. I get to make a difference in the lives of people here. We have personal trials that we walk through, struggles that we, we have to deal with. Listen, many of us just want to get the trial over with. I mean, anybody ever prayed this prayer when you're going through something? God, just take me right now. Rapture, just go ahead and take me out. Let's go. Let's just get me out of here. Let's get me out of here. I'm ready to go. And God's saying, could it be that God has something much bigger that he's trying to produce in us if we'll just learn and lean into him instead of our own understanding? If we would allow for him to actually have his way, this thing of testing, this is something we don't like, but it is 
a powerful thing in this. It has to do with with a heating. It's a it's a it's, it has to do like with with metals, with precious metals, like w- w- when these metals are made, they're like heated to these thousands of degrees, and they put them in there and they start boiling. And then what happens is this, this stuff, this impurity, starts to rise to the top. And when it gets to the top, the, the people that are doing it, they scoop off the top of it. It's called the dross. And it gets rid of them. They take it off. And then you know what they do? They say, okay, it's all good. Woo! Man, that was, whoo, I'm glad we got that one done. No, what they do, they heat it back up again. And they can do it again. And they go, oh, and then it gets a boom, 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 and it's boiling. Kind of in our lives, we go through a trial. We're like, okay, Lord, okay, okay, okay. You're like, oh, and he takes it off and it cools down. You're like, Oh, and then it starts heating up again. Whoa, 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 God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's saying, hey, I'm just trying to develop something. You know what they do? They keep doing this. It's a process they go through. You know what they're doing? They're trying to get all the impurities out until this is what they want to do. They want to be able to look at this precious metal, whether it's gold, whether it's silver, even with metal. They want to be able to look at it so they can see their reflection in it. Then they go, oh, look. It's not dingy. It's, it's pure. He's been able to do that. You know, I wonder sometimes if God isn't trying to get all this junk out so he can see himself right there when he looks in. He goes, oh, look, there I am. Man, I am. Look, I see my nature. I see. I see me. I, I, I'm looking and I get to see my. Oh, look, because of what we allow for him to do in us. Can I challenge us this morning that when you're going through something that there are times where there is a moment where you need to say, God, have your way. Lord, whatever it is you're trying to do, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. But by your grace and mercy, I'm willing to walk through this. As a matter of fact, in James 1, 4, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I believe many of us think of it this way. If you're going through an operation or or a doctor says, hey, you've got something wrong with your body. And if I don't fix this, it's going to really affect you. It could be cancer, it could be any number of things. And could you imagine in the middle of the operation, you just said, you know what? I've had enough. I'm leaving. Bye. You're like, what? No, we got to finish this. Let's let's set this right. If we don't, it's going to affect you. This matter of fact, I'm, I'm comforted by Paul. One of the greatest men that I can't wait to talk to when I get there because of his understanding of what he what he walked out of and what he walked into, walked out of Pharisee and, and dead religion that he was so steeped in the word and he missed Jesus in the middle of it, trying to study scripture. He missed Jesus and was killing people because they believed in Jesus. This man is the one who prayed in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He had this thorn in his flesh. It wasn't comfortable. Here in South Georgia, we call them sand spurs and they're not comfortable at all. You know what I'm saying? You, you know real quick if you're walking through some grass and you ain't got your shoes on. Whoa, they're there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you, they get you. And so he's saying he's got this thorn that's bugging him and it's because of the revelation. It's, he even says earlier in the chapter, he says, a messenger sent from Satan himself was sent to buffet him. And Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. 
Get, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. Get this thorn out of me. And this is what God told him. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Man, what? I thought I was supposed to be all powerful and all strong. No, we're supposed to be connected to the one that's all powerful and all strong. It's not by mine. It's, it's by his. That's what we're supposed to do. It's in my, it's in my weakness. His strength shows itself best. It's in my strength that, uh, that, that I'm trying to do that. It shows my weakness very much instead of showing his strength. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to persevere. In verse five, he goes on to say, and this is what I love. God's not just leaving you there to say, Hey, just deal with it. He even goes on. James says, but any of you needs wisdom, if any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. He is generous to everyone and will give wisdom without criticizing you. How many have ever been in a classroom setting and you had some questions and you were afraid to raise your hand because you didn't want to look stupid and you're just like, hey, I, I, I'm not sure I get that. God says it this way. Ask me. I'm not looking to find fault. Just ask. Look, and can I say here, I got to tell you, ask God sometimes. Don't ask Google. Okay. I know right now, everybody, hey, Google, everybody wants to know. There's sometimes you need to just say, God, I don't understand what's going on. Lord, would you show me what is, what is your plan through this? What is going on? And he says, he's not going to criticize you. He's not going to belittle or make fun of you. He cares for you. And it all, it, but it does go on to say that, hey, we're not going to turn there, but it says, don't, don't, don't doubt. In other words, come to the place that God wants to, he wants to give you answers. It says, he who doubts, is like a wave of the sea tossed back and forth. And it says, unstable in all his ways. He said, don't think you're going to receive anything. And God says, hey, I'm willing to give if you're willing to ask. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah 33, 3, this is what Jeremiah, God spoke through Jeremiah. It says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. How many of here... Besides me, how many in here have ever been a know-it-all? How many here have, have realized you don't want to be the know-it-all? Matter of fact, it's always good when you know what you know and when you know what you don't know. <laughs> like when you know what you're gifted at and what you know what you're not gifted at. Those are just as equally powerful. Not that I got to have all the answers, but hey, I've got to connect myself. I celebrate being the pastor of this church because I know standing here on this pulpit right now, I know that I am not the smartest person in this room. I don't know. There's some of you know more about the Bible than I ever will. That you've studied, you've read, you've done. And I don't, I don't sit and go, oh, I celebrate what God has done in and through you. And so when we look at this, if you'll ask, God will give you. He'll show us great and mighty things. And then he goes on to talk about believers in, in humble circumstances. We just... Saying about being humble. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their, in their high position. And I want to tell you something. When I've been humbled by either something I've done or somebody, something somebody else has done to me, I, I, I didn't feel very high. I, I felt very low. I was like, oh, it's probably something I said or did or something. But James says it this way, that when we come to the place where it's not all about me, that I'm not the greatest that, hey, that, that when I realize these trials that have come my way, 
that, that God, you're working something greater than what I can see. I can't even understand it. I can't see it, but I know you're doing it. And I'm willing to yield myself to your process that you could have your way and your will so you could see your life in me. He even goes on to talk about rich. We're not going to look there this morning. He talks about rich people talking about, hey, you should be humble because of your low situation. Many of us think that, hey, we can buy our way or we can get our way out of anything. And, and, and there's some things that money can't buy. I mean, it, it can't buy a true joy. It can't buy true peace. It can't buy true happiness. It definitely can't buy connection with the Lord and favor with him. And so he actually goes on and says, hey, it's like a flower that's going. Don't don't go after something that's fleeting. Stay connected. And I love what in this last part of the trial part. In verse 12, it says, blessed is the one who what? Who runs and, and yells and screams and says, get this off of me. It says, no, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Why? Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. Talk about pure, whoo, thank you, Jesus, that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Like, like God is working in eternal glory in us. And that's why, this is what I have to say here, we have to allow our trials to transform us. Instead of always trying to run. Now, I do believe in healing. I believe in all of the, the, the gifts. And I do. We just got through celebrating those. But there are times where God's saying, I'm going to work my glory in you through what you're walking through. And it can't happen any other way. And we've got to be saying, willing, saying, Lord, do that. The second one we look at, the second part that I've decided I wanted to, to look at is temptation. It's found here in, in the in the first chapter of James, in James 1.13, he transitions out of trials and then he goes into temptation. And it says, let no one say so. So, by the way, with trials, like I said, it's individual trials, but it's also a group. Like we go through trials as a church. You go through trials as a family. We go through trials as a nation. We can do individual trials or we can do a group trials. When it comes to temptation, he actually gets a little bit closer to home when he says, let no one say, like, uh-oh, he, he's talking to me now. He, he's, fixing to, he's fixing to get in our business this morning. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God himself, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. So it's like this. Many people, when we go through things, we want to blame it on people. We want to say it's so-and-so's fault or yeah, I was around the wrong crowd or I, how many would be honest? How many be honest? This, this, just would say that you've done things simply because you didn't want to look weak and because you wanted to what we call go with the crowd besides me. That, that, that's me. Like, hey, you were a follower and you said, hey, there, there are those times, but I still had a choice. Like, I can't blame it. Like, like all that I've been through, through, through going to jail three times, through everything, I can't blame it on people just because I was a part of, they helped, they may have helped me perfect it. It's kind of like when you were young, the, you remember the first time you, you started lying, you don't remember, but your parents always knew you were because you would, they would ask you a question and then you would get this goofy look on your face and your voice would begin to get high and you're like, and you just kind of, these things started, you start sweating and perspiring and you're looking at it like, oh, I didn't do that. 
And you wonder how they knew that? The same thing. That's what happens. Your, your, your siblings may have helped you perfect lying, but they certainly didn't help. They didn't make you do that. The same thing in our lives. All of us are tempted in different ways. Matter of fact, I've got a little something here because it says this. The next verse 14, it says, but each one is tempted when he was lured and enticed by his own desires. So all of us have desires. And I thought of this last week while I was out and about. <laughs> so, so, uh, on our way out to our, we, were, we went 50 miles offshore, by the way. I'm so thankful. It was such a great time. Um, I, while we were on our way, we stopped and we began to troll. And we had these lures that were sitting there and they, they go through the water and just, Ooh! and there's fish that are going, they go and grab them like, oh, look. They thought that was a real, they thought it was a meal. They thought this was going to satisfy them. Do you know that all of us have desires and Satan tries to lure us going, hey, hey, if you get this, you'll be happy. It'll satisfy you. Look at that. And we have all kinds of desires that we think if we could just get this, if we could just have this, if we could just do this, if I had all of them, if I won the lottery. Here, keep paying that money. Come on, keep on putting money into it. You're going to win it one day. You're going to win it one day. Come on. And you just sit there every week after week going, well, I just wasted that. You know how I know? (laughs) Y'all, I live right off Highway 82. I've been praying for a lot of people. You know why? Because right on 82, I see all the people that lost at the lottery because they throw their tickets out the window in my yard. And I'm going, Jesus, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Help them find it in you. They know they ain't going to get it, but... They sit there and try, but they're lured. It could be money. It could be uh, the lust of the flesh. Like, ooh, if I got this girl, if I got this guy, if I do that, oh, I'd be good. It'd be okay. It, there are many things that were that will lure. Matter of fact, First John two sixteen it says this: For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. So we we live in this thing, and if we're not careful. Will think this, Satan's, he's crafty. Matter of fact, this is what happens when we start blaming people. It's kind of like how Adam and Eve did. You know, after Adam got, you know, they got, they go before God and then he said, the woman, you know, what the woman, she made, she did it. And then the woman said, the snake, the snake. All of us, if we're not careful, we want to shift blame and we want to do that. Instead, it's our own desires that put us in a place. And if we're not careful, we take the bait. We'll take it. It could be money. It could be position. It could be power. It could be any number of things that if I get this, I'll be satisfied. But James 1.15 goes on to say, and this is what happens when we take the bait. Says, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, let me say this. Because it's the same way with Adam and Eve. That, uh. God said to them, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of evil, you should not eat. That The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. They ate it and they didn't die. Matter of fact, Adam went on to live 900 years and, and, and Eve as well. So, so what does he mean? You shall surely die. He says, well, what will happen? He actually, he uses a term here when he says it shall be death. It's really... He's making reference to a stillborn baby. 
It's, it's, it's really, this is what many times we think, if I can just get this, I'll be satisfied. And you get it, and you take it, and you swallow it, you're, yeah! And then you end up finding out, it left you feeling more empty. That you thought this was going to be so great, and it left you feel more empty than before. And so you go, and you're like, oh no, and then it comes again, it starts swallow. You go, oh, I ain't going to do that again. I'd never do that again. And all of a sudden it comes by. Oh... And they take the bait again. We, if we're not careful, we'll live our life in such a way that we allow this to keep on happening over and over. And I love what he goes on to say in, in verse 16 and 7. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, I know when I say that, there are many people that think God's real hard. He's just hard. He doesn't change. No, he is fully committed to love and to, to work with us. He is absolutely, he doesn't change. He is committed. He's made, I made, I love you. I ain't changing. There's no thing you're, there's nothing we're going to do where God's going to change his mind. He's like, I don't want nothing to do with you. Forget it. You done do, you've done too much. I proved that theory. I mean, I keep on proving it. Even today, after 34 years, God, you're so good. So he says, he's not going to, don't be deceived. Don't let, don't let the temptations do that. It says out of his own, of his own will. God wanted to do this of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures, of his creatures. Like God wanted us to experience this. The life I have now, I don't deserve. Not one bit of it. The life you have in Christ is not anything you deserve. It's all by his grace and love. Thank you, Lord. So with temptation, this is what happens. We have to allow our temptation to transfer uh, transfer us from our own abilities to God's ability. Like we got to transfer our trust into my ability to make me right, to do what I want, to, to let my own desires carry me where they want. Instead of trusting God, you know what really lights my fire. You know what really causes me to get excited and like, wow, Jesus you know me better than I know myself. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 2.9 says it this way. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim, which we were doing this morning, the praise of him who what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So like all of us, every one of us have this thing of darkness that tries to take over our mind. And I want to tell you, there's no such thing. You ever heard of anybody turning up the darkness? Here, let's turn up the darkness in here. <laughs> you, you can't. The only thing you can do is shut off the light and then it gets dark. Jesus, Peter's saying, hey, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I want to tell you, it's so beautiful when you get to see the grace that's been poured out. It's so beautiful not just to see it, but to experience forgiveness for everything you've ever done. Can anybody say amen this morning? Everything. It's not by your goodness. It's all by his. And then James makes this transition. He talks about the trials that, that we want to get out from underneath so quick. Like, God, just get me out of here quick. And then he talks about the temptation that so easily, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, it so easily ensnares us. And then he goes into this, he begins to transition. And he said, hey, it's not all about trials. It's not all about temptation. Matter of fact, these next few verses, I personally believe 
is what America needs to hear more than anything. And I want all of you in here, those who are listening online or to listen later, James was very understanding. When I say he had to go through a lot to get to the place where he was, where he had to accept his older brother was indeed, his oldest brother was indeed the son of God, the savior of the world. When he says this, my dear brothers and sisters, knowing I don't, I don't like the trials. They don't feel good. I, I just want to, you know, get mad and tell all the time. I don't like the, the temptation. I get mad because I, I, I don't, I just give in so easy. He says, everyone take note of this. Everyone, believer or unbeliever, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I'm going to say right here, this is where I do want to get on your toes a little bit. Because online, you may not be speaking, but you're speaking. Like you're posting and you're reposting and you're, you're going, you're saying, hey, look, 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 you need to watch, yeah, see what they're saying. Yeah, what they're saying. And I'm going to challenge us to be quicker to listen. Take some time. To just listen to somebody else's side. Spend a moment to just hear, not just listen to them, but hear. Take in what's going on with them. Many times we're just the opposite. And if we reverse this, this is what causes anger. When we're, we just want to quickly be heard. Like I want everybody here, here, take that, here, take that. And we're quick to, to post something or to repost something. And I believe with all my heart, that God wants us to take some time. And this is what I've been doing more than anything. I haven't posted in quite a while. Well, I hadn't been on there in a little while. But but I'm like, Lord, I, I want to listen first of all to you. I want to hear what you're saying. I, I do. And I do. And I've had people that I've had in my office. Here, talk to me. Just let me hear you. I want to hear from you. Talk to me. I just want to spend that time so I can learn. So I can here and then when I take the time to listen and I and I don't and I don't want to throw my speech out there so quick I won't get angry because what's going to happen the sooner you throw something out guess what somebody's going to refute that and then that's it goes back and forth and then you get all angry at each other and God's saying no I'm not one you do that that's why he says in verse 21 therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalently uh, that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you in other words I'm not going to get so locked up into what people are saying about stuff. I'm going to get locked into, Lord, what are you saying? And what are you saying about me? That word that's been planted. Sometimes you need to just stop and say, God, I allow your word to have its way in me. Lord, I need you to speak in me. That still small voice on the inside, instead of always keeping chatter in our ears and before our eyes. We need to take time to stop. And listen, and then James goes even further into this transition. He says, I want you to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And then he takes us another transition. He says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourself, do what it says. And this is where the church is today. We can't be hearers only. This is what the people outside the church, they have a problem because we sit in church and we just listen to stuff and then we go act different than we go out there. We sit in here and listen to message after message and then we go out and then we trash people that are made in God's image. It should never be that God wants to use us 
to make a difference in somebody else's life. Matter of fact, he even goes on to says in, in uh, verse 23 and 24, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. Okay, well, that's, woo, that's a magnified, woo. Okay, that's, we, we better turn that way. That's just, have <laughs> done that one where it just kind of gets real bright. I mean, real, just blows everything up. See all the imperfections in that, woo. Um, anyhow, it says, we're supposed to, it says, uh, uh, listen and sound. It says this, looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What, what happens is if we're not careful, God's called us to make a difference. And we're listening. We're like, thank you, Jesus. And we go away and then we act completely different than what we saw. We begin to act completely different than what we saw. And he said, and it says it comes from only hearing. Matter of fact, if all we do is hear, if we become, we have a, a, a generation of professional hearers. Matter of fact, never in the history of man have we had more access to incredible preaching. I celebrate that. But I don't sit around just all day listening. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, look at that. Oh, that is so, I love that. That's so good. Oh, and then I sit in my house. Oh, that's so good. And then I don't do anything about it. I just keep listening. I keep, it's like somebody just keeps eating, just keeps eating. They just get blown up like, like, hey, I got to go exercise. It's like anybody here like to watch the home improvement shows and your house is in shambles. But I like that. That looks good. I like that. Or you watch fishing shows. Some of the people are into that and they like, they just watch them. Oh, they got it. Oh, look at them. They go. It's like, but I ain't going to go fishing. I ain't going to go actually do it. I'm just going to sit there and watch it. Or you watch the work, the fitness. Like, oh, I like, oh, look at them. Man. Oh, that's a great exercise. Woo. Go, go, go. And then we sit there like eating potato chips, watching them. Mm. We forget what we look like because we're not doing what we've heard i'm telling you if we'll get this and see that there's a transition from simply hearing to actually doing matter of fact he goes on in first timothy chapter four this is what paul wrote to this young pastor for second timothy chapter four verse three he says it this way for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching what they'll do is this what they'll do they will follow their own desires. There again, that own desire thing. James knew what he was talking about. And will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Ooh, make me feel good. I like that. Yay. I like it. Yay. Keep teaching me that. And never do anything. And that's inside and outside the church. They'll, te- they'll teach you stuff you want to hear instead of receiving from the Lord and allowing you to do that. And this is what, 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 um, what I love, what Paul, what James says, James one twenty five, he says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that's right, law and freedom, <laughs> you look at the law like God's perfect law. Jesus, let me break that down for you. Jesus is the perfect law, incarnate, the word incarnate. He's the perfect demonstration of the law. He loved God and he loved people. That's what he said, the two greatest. It says all the law of, and the prophets, Hinge on those, that one thing, love God and love people. And he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, look what it says, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, 
They will be blessed in what they do. You ever sit around and watch people be blessed and you're like, wow, God must really love them. He just keeps blessing them. You better take a moment and stop and look and say, what are they doing? What is it that's, what's, what are they doing different than what I'm doing in order to get the blessings of God? Or is it I'm just sitting around criticizing, well, they, they this and they that. And, I, and they, they, you sit and look almost to make it like you can stay where you are and feel good about it. This morning, and I hope I can incite you to begin to get out and do things, to get out and make a difference. And there's a couple things that, that James ends the chapter with and that I'm going to end this morning with. There's two things that he actually begins to do. And he says, he says this, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So I can have all this knowledge. I can study the Bible. I mean, I can go through and study and study and study, but it doesn't matter if I'm not living it out. It's like I can have all this understanding, but it's only it's worthless if I use my tongue then to hurt each other. And that's going to be at a a later. We're going to see that where James says this tongue. He he talks about the tongue in a great way. We ain't going to spoil that for you. It's coming. Get ready. We're going to step on your tongue instead of your toes. Get ready. It's happening. It says that, hey, with my mouth, I can disqualify what I've been doing to help somebody. Like, you can be good towards somebody and then you can say, oh, you break it out and all of a sudden, well, it's all of a sudden done. What you just, what you were just building up, it didn't work. And then he goes on and he states, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Here it is. You want to know what we should be doing? You want to know what we should be about? Here it is. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Those two things. So like, like there are people right now in our community, little precious ones that no fault of their own, that have nowhere to stay. Like they have nowhere they can go. Like they are put in a system. And by the way, it, there are, there are groups and believers that are coming together that are starting to really cause a, a, a great swell and an impact in that in that area it's not it's not the government's job to take care of orphans let me say that again it is not the government's job to take care of orphans it is the churches james says it right here he says it right here now granted you may not be at a place where you could bring somebody in your home and by the way If you do, you have to go through a strenuous test. Talk about purifying. You are going to be mad because they're going to go over everything about you. We actually have somebody in our church that goes and does visits to homes to see if it's, if it's one they can actually let. I'm not going to say any names. They got to go and say, Hey, is it a fit environment to bring a child into? And so you may have to go through a lot to get there. Maybe you're like, I'm not willing to go through all that. Maybe you can support somebody that does. Maybe you know somebody that is fostering children. You could say, you know what? Maybe I could come and, you know, bring a meal to you. Or maybe I could come and, and, and watch the kids. Of course, there again, you do have to be qualified and you have to be done that. But that could happen. Right now in America, there's over 500,000 young people that don't have a home. 
What do you think is going to happen to them? Who do you think is going to take them in and will let them come as they are as much as they want? It's going to be drug dealers. They'll take them in. They'll start them selling. Those who will, who will, who, who will literally human traffic them. They'll take them and say, hey, come here. Let me help you. Come here. And then they'll take them and put them out on the street. And they'll take them and abuse them over and over and over. God's calling us, y'all. God's calling us to transform our understanding, to transition out of just attending a Sunday morning to making a difference in our community. It's got to go beyond these walls. It's got to go out into the streets. So it says orphans and widows. And let me say to you, to our precious older saints, and we've got to be, we've got to do better. That's why my mama, she's been a widow for 20 years and I'll bet you ain't nobody going to take care of her like I will. Like I, I, she may be an hour away, but Hey, I will load a llama. We're going to go cut your grass. You don't cut your grass, mama. I will cut your grass. I will come over. We'll go out to eat. Mama, if you listen, I love you. She does check in. She goes to the Catholic church. I love all churches. Praise God. But we're supposed to look after them in their distress. We have to do that, y'all. We're supposed to do that. It's called. And it's not, hey, they just want somebody to know they're there. It may be inviting them to go eat. You know what it's like to eat by yourself? Nobody like, call, hey, can I take you out to eat? Just, just do something simple. It's not something major. You gotta go and change heaven. Just simple little things. And then the last part, it says to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Why do you think James wrote that? Because James knew what it was like to be polluted by the world. As a pastor, I know what it's like to be polluted by the world. I know if I spend all my time looking out this way instead of looking up, instead of looking in the word, I know that I can get very, I can get angry, I can get frustrated, I can get uh, cynical, I can get maniacal. I'm just like, mmm, people, ah, you people. Or if I keep looking up and I'm saying, Jesus, you want to use me. You want me to be the difference. Jesus wants you to be the difference, the difference maker. That's why we have to allow our transition to translate us. To translate us out of a seat and into the street. Jesus wants to use our this place of transition. We are in transition. By the way, you're always in transition. Hey, how many know right now you can't do what you used to do? You're in transition. <laughs> you're like, I, I used to be able to run for a long period of time. <laughs> now it's not so much. <laughs> there are many things in our life. We, we're in transition. We've got to allow... This transition we're in to translate us into helping, into making a difference out of the seats and into the streets. And now that I'm allowed, now that I've allowed my trials to transform me into the image of Christ, and I've allowed my temptation to transfer me out of trusting of my own abilities into his ability to make me right with God. When I allow the transition to translate me into the streets, what's going to happen is, Things are not just going to change in your life, but they're going to get exponentially better in somebody else's life. Most of our Christianity is spent on me, 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 me. And Jesus is saying, hey, look at his example. He said, hey, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. You want to be blessed? Do you want God's favor all over your life? If you'll begin to go 
and make a difference in somebody else's. You begin to take and say, hey, I'm going to use, I'm going to help people first know God. I want somebody like this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know God. Maybe you've heard about him and you've heard some versions of God. But let me just say, you don't know God if you're afraid or you think he's bad. I'm telling you, you don't know God because God is always for us. He is always wanting more than what we'll ever ask. He's more loving. He's more kind. He's more forgiving. He's more concerned than I'll ever give him credit for. You want to help make a difference? Join a group. Get Form a group. Right now, there are, there are people in here, you are so seasoned in the Lord. You need to be having a group and having somebody say, hey, come, let me lock arms with you. Come here. Come here. Let's walk this thing out. Or you need to be, which we're going to be getting back to, going through our growth track to discover your gifts and talents and then use them to make a difference in somebody else's life because that's what God wants to do. This morning, I'm going to ask you if everybody in here would bow their heads for just a moment. And the only reason I do that, there's no real spiritual purpose. It's simply, it's the only way I know you can get alone in a crowded room. So it's not a reverent thing. It's really, hey, I want you to do some evaluating. I want you to not look around and see what everybody else is doing, but for your own self, to take inventory. And that's the only way you can do that in a crowded room. And as you're sitting there with your eyes closed or you're looking at us on camera online, I want to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself, that's a question I ask myself all the time. What am I doing in my own personal life, first of all, to allow God to make a difference in me? Am I allowing him to have his way or am I, or am I keeping him away? Am I letting him into some rooms of that, of the house or am I keeping him like, I'm keeping him at bay. Like God, you can come to some parts, but I don't want you to get all in there. You're going to see some stuff when you start opening doors like, Ooh, I don't want you to see that. Maybe this morning it's time to open some more doors and say, God, I'm tired of just playing games and hiding out. Lord, I want to open all the doors. Lord, come in, have your way. So maybe, maybe you, you need to take an opportunity this morning to say, God, I just want to invite you in to come have your way in me. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I invited him in a long time ago, but I got hurt. People hurt me. And because of that, because of what people did, now I'm not connecting with Jesus because of what they did. And I'm just telling you, this morning, you might have to forgive some people. And it was probably pretty bad. They probably did it and, man, did a work on you, did a number on you. And it's time to say, man, I'm not allowing you to hold me back. You need to forgive others. That would be a powerful thing for you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you if you'd like. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is between you and Jesus. Because that's all you're going to be standing before one day. It's not going to be a crowd like this. Nobody will be there, just you and him. And that's where you'll know whether or not you actually surrendered. It's like, hey, you can know that today. You can give him your life. And in return, he will give you his life. And if you want to do that this morning where you are, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. Wherever you are, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to pray with you and pray for you. And if you're online and you want to do that, praise God. We'll do that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father God, those who would like, you can pray out loud with me. Father God, I recognize my own failures, my own faults, and my own shortcomings. But Lord, I also recognize that you gave your life so that I could have life. 
You died so I could live. And Jesus, I accept your death as full payment for my sin. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. And I ask you to transform me from the inside out. Jesus, here it is. It's yours. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you prayed that prayer or anything like it, I want to say this. That's the beginning. That's how a relationship starts. That's the introduction. And Jesus takes it very seriously. And I know I would love to help you. I'd, man, I'm telling you, 34 years ago, I walked into this church a mess. I'd just gotten arrested on a Friday, got out on Saturday and came to this church on Sunday and said, Lord, here, I give you this life. You can do anything with it. Jesus loves to take you where you are and, 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 and take you to the place he wants you to be. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Also, we'll be here. Myself and others will be here to pray with you. If you have a need or you need to talk to somebody, we'll be here. We want to we want to see God's will be done in your life. He is just that good. And we want to be a, a part of that. So I'm going to ask you if you at this time, if you would, if you'd stand up. Open your hands, if you would, and receive from the Lord. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people that your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.